Hi, I'm Elliot Berman, uh, Creative Director here at AML RightSource, and I'm here with Frank Ewing, our CEO, for our monthly conversation called Frankly Speaking. And this month, we thought we would talk about culture, uh, a constant challenge for all organizations, um, and uh, one that uh, I know Frank spends a lot of time thinking about, and uh, we as an organization spend a lot of effort um, to um, have a good one and to keep it healthy. So. Frank, let's start in a couple sentences. How do, how do you define culture? Well, I don't know how we get started without saying what's up to our friends in Peru. So oh, I'm, that's, I beg your pardon. You're right. I, you know, I didn't have Peru written in my notes here. So, really? and, and I do want to thank your mom again for uh, logging on multiple times to give us boom, the views. Boom, boom. Yeah, she's, yep. she's got yep. it. So, yep, that's a good point. Do we have some folks other than in Peru? I think we do. Um, there's a spattering there's our smattering i suppose uh but you know let's let's not get ahead of ourselves you know all right one viewer at a time one viewer at a time. okay winning, winning hearts and minds that's what we're, that's, <laughs> that's right one at a time okay all right what are we what are you talking about culture right so defining culture yeah well you know it's funny um in our pre-conversation you know you you had told a good story about uh, kind of culture being um, kind of an evolution um, as opposed to some sort of, you know, dogmatic, you know, uh, staid ritual. And I think that's probably kind of close to, to, to my view, you know, what is, what is culture? Um, I, you know, I guess it's, it's culture, you know, can be confused for vibe. Um, but I think culture to me is kind of synonymous with values. And, and so, um, you know, the, the, you know, uh, the, the culture has a certain vibe that's kind of evolutionary and kind of changes, but it's always rooted to kind of the values of, of the company. And, and so I don't know that there's all that much daylight between um, culture and, and, and values because values drive culture. And though the people in the seats may change uh, and the clients can change and the technology can change and your locations can change, all that, your values really don't change. And so, um, you know, ultimately there's a marrying, you know, of those, those two things. And so, you know, for us, you know, what is the, the culture of the company? Well, maybe we should start with our values and, and, you know, our values are, you know, pretty distinctly, you know, as, as I say them to uh, all the new hire classes and anybody who will listen is, um, you know, be a good person and do the right thing you know, and, and let's not, let's not oversimplify that, you know, but, um, it, you know, it's be a good person and do the right thing. And if you really do those two things, you, you have a good value system that should actually permeate the culture. Um, and I think, so I try to keep it like most things fairly simple to start with. And, and, and then, you know, obviously it gets more complicated as you try to roll it out across 2000 people in 11 countries. Which is a perfect segue to, so I agree with you. I think our value, you've stated our core values very well, um, both as in, for 2000 individuals in, in walking around every day and also in interacting with each other and of course with the clients and with the world. Um, but how do you pass along those values and equally important, build the culture on that so that people understand how do you implement those values through a culture? Yeah, well, you know, it has to be more than like something that's, you know, kind of, you know, written on a, a whiteboard, right? I mean, like, think about, you know, a place like maybe the University of Notre Dame, right? And, you know, play like a champion, play like a champion today. Like, what does that actually mean? You know, um, and, and how, 
how do you define that? You know, what, what is, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Everybody slaps the sign, but you know, what, what does that actually mean to you? And so, you know, to me, it's, it's, you know, culture is action. Uh, and, and so if you're living your values then culture is action. And so what is action? You know, action is, you know, kind of policy driven, right? So if you have a, a company that, you know, says it's, it's progressive or cares about kind of employees, um, are you doing things to allow um, employees to kind of have a say, you know, whether that's through kind of committees or surveys or providing good benefits um, or having or being okay with changing job trajectories or where people work or how they work? Um, you know, all of that to me is, is kind of kind of tied back to kind of living the values and living the values is culture. So what it can't be is just some kind of pithy statement that's posted up on a, you know, on a, a piece of cardboard somewhere uh, or fancy cardboard or, you know, kind of flashing on one of the 8 million TV screens that you have, you know, in, in an office or at least in our office, um, you know, it has to be, it has to be real. It has to be lived. So, you know, obviously, you know, systemically there's kind of the employee layer, but there's also kind of management and, and, you know, how are we treating our people? How do we treat each other? How do you conduct a meeting? Do people feel safe? Do people feel like they actually are doing the right thing and that they have the ability to be a good person? Are the people actually being good people? And you see some of that through kind of 360 degree feedback and other kind of mechanisms that, you know, you can uh, indoctrinate in the company in a more formulaic way to, to kind of sample the culture, like you would a cupcake, I suppose, and, and say like, you know, are we really, are we really getting, getting, getting what we want here? But like culture changes, you know, values don't change, the culture changes. And, and so for us, you know, going from this kind of small Northeast Ohio operation to like this global uh, multicultural, you know, um, organization, it's been a real test or challenge to culture. Now we're not the only company that goes through growth, um, but you know I, I'd say that everybody's been challenged to kind of maintain a culture virtually, um, and that's where values become actually more important because culture can take a little bit. I don't want to say a hit, but the things that make culture come alive, which is probably human interaction um, among other things. Um, it's kind of taken, a, I don't want to say a step back, but it, it's certainly not as commonplace. And so it, it's hard to, you know, understand whether you're really, um, well, you really, whether you think your culture is versus what your employees think your culture is or what your clients think your culture is or what you're actually able to uh, accomplish. Um, but if the value and the tone, um, and I don't mean at the top, but the tone throughout the organization is people people generally know what the, the mission of the company is. People generally know kind of what the ethics of the company are, and people definitely know what the values of the company are. Then even if you are remote and scattered and you're in multiple different locations, you know, you should probably still have a, a culture that is, is changing or is dynamic, but it, it should still actually be in place. Another great segue. So when we were, when I joined the company, which was only two, a little over two years ago, uh, I want to say we were about 750 people, give or take. Has it only been two years, Elliot? Yes. Doesn't it seem like I've been here forever? Forever. <laughs> forever, right. Um, yeah, it's only been a little over two years. And um, 
and 750 people, give or take, scattered across uh, only North American sites. Uh, very few people working full-time remote. I mean, I was one of those, but you know, literally probably could count them on two hands at the time. Um, now, uh, 2,000 people across a much broader geography, you know, both North America um, and uh, UK and Europe. Uh, and certainly planning to expand beyond that, uh, both organically and inorganically. Um, so you've got people coming on, you know, when we were 750 and, pro and back when you were number four, I think, was you number four or number one? Oh, it depends on how you look at it, but yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. so yeah. Somewhere, yeah. Yeah, but the point was everybody fit in one room and communicating values and culture was pretty simple. You had lunch together and you talked about it and everybody knew where everybody stood, stat, sat. Then we got bigger, you were leading a leadership team. You needed to keep that concept alive, those values clear that your folks needed to cascade it. Now we have new people in very senior positions who are very new to the company. Um, and while an acquisition process will try to uh, test the cultures of the potential companies they're acquiring, no two cultures are identical. And so there's always putting those puzzle pieces, those Legos together and making sure that they snap as opposed to grind. Mm. So how, how, are you, how are you thinking about that when you're working with you know, the CEO and leadership team of one of the companies we acquired at, at the very front end when you're starting to onboard them? Yeah, we we'll spend a lot of time with them. You know, and and you, you see whether they're like good people and, and, uh, and not, again, not to oversimplify it, but, you know, yeah. Okay. They may have a different view on this or a different take on, you know, uh, you know, retention or, or employee benefits or go to market strategy, but like fundamentally, are they somebody who understands, you know, the values and the mission of the company and, and fundamentally are they a good person? And, you know, I think, you know, now you'll never really know, right. I mean, acquisitions are kind of like dating, you know, in a way, um, but you know, until you live with that person, you know, it's a little bit different. And, and so, but, you know, we, I think what we've done a good job of at least is, is, uh, spending a lot of time with, with folks we've acquired. And I, you know, I think we've done a good job of aligning ourselves with good people. So, um, but that goes back to kind of how you hire too. I mean, you make a good point, even when we were 200 or 300 people, I mean, I knew literally everybody's name. I knew where they went to college. I knew probably maybe one or two fun facts about them. Um, and it, it's not like now that I don't know a lot of names, but, you know, there's kind of like, you know, um, as you get older, I feel like, you know, maybe brain space gets a little bit more limited, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, or, or capacity, uh, but, but now it's, it's actually like, recall. Is that what it right, is? It's just yeah. recall. It, it's all in there. Yeah. You just can't find it. <laughs> you know, it's just, just a lot of people, a lot of locations. You just, you know, and, and that's where you just have to grow up as a, uh, leader, but you also have to grow up as an organization and start to trust, you know, the process or, uh, but trust the people that you're hiring. And if you spend a lot of time um, on the hiring process and you, um, you get to a certain point where like, you know, somebody has the technical skills or technical acumen. And if you don't like, you know, um, that typically gets exposed pretty quickly, but um, 
what I spent a lot of time interviewing like executives on really has nothing to do. And the questions has nothing to do with like technical acumen. You know, it's all about just trying to really figure out what makes a person tick or how are they going to fit in with the organization and how are they going to treat our people and how are they going to treat our clients and how are they going to treat our ecosystem and our communities that we serve? Um, and, and really do they share the same kind of values? And, and so, um, and then culture is just a manifestation of that. I think the big misnomer is that everybody's like, well, culture starts at the top. I guess, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Like values start at the top, but, but you know, the, the world continues to evolve and to change and, and you, know, you know, interesting issues like hybrid, you know, work environment versus full remote versus, you know, fully on site, you know, those things kind of change the culture, right? And in a way that you can't predict. And so it's not like the, the you know, the tail is wag wagging the dog, but kind of, you know, and so you have to be aware that like, you're not in control of, of everything. And you're not in control of, of how your employees or how your organization morphs or manifests itself over time. But it's your job as, a, as an executive team or as a leader um, to make sure that the values are in place. And then again, uh, once the values are in place, you know, the culture can kind of go in different directions, um, so long as it doesn't go too far um, in, in any direction. But as the world continues to kind of change right before our very eyes in terms of the corporate world, um, and, and what's it going to look like even one, two, three, five years from now, um, you know, the culture is going to bend around those curve, those, those, those turns with it. And we just have to make sure that we do a good job of establishing values, no matter where it turns. I, I agree with everything you said. And having worked for a number of companies over my career, um, it's always been interesting to see the different ways that they went about, A, clearly establishing what their core values were, and then B, you know, through, cult, through culture, implementing those on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's not just at the organizational level, but it really is at the person-to-person -person level um, that I think it really makes the difference. Um, you know, working for companies where you know that doing the right thing is the right thing is a, is a very empowering thing for people and I think makes them feel very comfortable. And I, I certainly feel that um, that's the experience, again, that I've had in the, in the two years that I've been with the company. So the last thing, and you touched that's on awfully it. Nice. That's awfully nice of you to say. You could have told me that in our pre in our pre conversation. Well, I wanted to save it so that everybody. <laughs> so all all of a sudden people would, would exactly. Know. I wanted yeah. your mom to hear it. That well, was yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I think that's true. Um, and the other thing that's a challenge, and and I think this is kind of the you know segue to the last topic that we talked about touching on, and that is keeping it healthy. And part of that is not take, my view is it's not taking it for granted, but I guess I pitch it to you and say, so assuming that that's a fair starting point, what do you do yourself, if not every day regularly to not take our values for granted and not let the people that you immediately interact with take it for granted so that that ongoing freshening continues to happen? Yeah. Well, you know, a couple of things. I'd say, you know, the, I think I think the best leaders, you know, no matter what the organization are, um, they do two things. They talk to their um, they talk to their people and they talk to their their their, their customers. They actually have a fundamental 
kind of core understanding of how it works. Like Mark Cuban, like Mark Cuban will go either, you know, in disguise or wherever else, you know, to like when he owned those movies, maybe he still does own those movie theaters, but, you know, and be like, well, what's a, what does a viewer feel like when they sit in one of these seats, when they're watching it in a full theater, how's the view, how's the popcorn, how's the service, you know, um, and there's no better way um, to understand, like, if you're manifesting the, the, what you think you are by talking to customers. Now, when you talk about culture, there's multiple customers, there's multiple con constituencies. And so, you know, I think it's, you know, what I try to do is to talk to, you know, employees. And sometimes, you know, you know, the typical thing happens, well, I've talked to four employees and, you know, and then you take that back to the management team, you realize like, that's not a statistically like relevant sample size. <laughs> and so you can get yourself into trouble by like, you know, the, the danger of the anecdote, but um, yeah, yeah, the anecdotal experience, I guess. So you have to be careful, but you know, you do need to, to talk to your clients. You do need to talk to your customers or, and your internal customers. And you, you need to figure out is like, is what I think is happening really happening? And, and you'll know the score pretty quickly, um, whether there's at least, um, you know, if you're multiple standard deviations off, you know, you'll know, and, but it might be too late to pivot or to do something different. And, you know, the, the key is to stay in front of it to listen to people, to talk to as many people as possible. So when you do get maybe one standard deviation, deviation away from where you want to be, it's not too late to change course. You know, you don't have some fundamental crack, you know, in the foundation that's going to cause you to have to rebuild the entire damn thing. Um, that it's, it's more so like, well, you know, this is actually just a very tiny issue and, and, and it, you know, feels like a big issue. But once we kind of tackle this, this, you know, it should kind of everything around it should be okay. And so that's, that's what I, that's what I try to do. And then you also can't like, um, you know, uh, you know, when you are in charge, there is a kind of an element of like ego or hubris. Um, and you, what you really have to do is like kind of check it at the door. And, you know, if you want to feel cool, like go feel cool at a cocktail party with other people, but don't try to feel cool within your own company. Um, because, you know, if you do that, like you're going to lose touch really quickly because you're not that cool and your employees are the cool ones. And, your management team are the cool ones and your clients are the cool ones because they're the ones who actually make the ship work. You know, you're just, you're just kind of, you know, on, on the top of the website. And so you can't assume that you know everything or that you're omnipotent because you're in charge because that's just not the case. Um, so if, if you can kind of check your ego at the door and talk to people and actually be open to the feedback that you get, it doesn't mean you're going to score hundred every time, but you'll, you'll do a good job of making sure that the ship doesn't get so uh, uh, far off, off track that you can, you can correct course quickly. I agree with all that as well. Uh, I'm going to put a challenge to you not to respond to today, but to think about as we start to return to office, as many organizations do in whatever form that takes um, across our now larger footprint, um, you're going to have the opportunity to travel and go to locations that we've acquired since we all went home. Um, and my challenge to you is to do exactly what you said, and that's to find lots of people to talk to in those locations who will be meeting you in person for the first time. Unlike those of us who've been with the company for a little while, and, you know, and either work in Cleveland or Buffalo or you know some of the other some of the other places where they've encountered you all the time, and you're while you are the CEO, um, because you don't carry yourself like a, you know, with an entourage and all that other crazy CEO stuff, they, you know, 
oh, there's Frank, and people can walk up and have a conversation with you. Uh, good, I, I wish you luck, and I urge you to find a way to take that skill you have and bring it to the people who haven't even had a chance to meet you yet. Well, you know, I'll take that challenge. And, and, you know, again, kind of what I tell every, every, every new employee at this company is, is, you know, like don't suffer in silence, you know, like who would have thought the New York subway would have really uh, come up with the, the most, you know, uh, learned statement of if you see something, say something, right. You know, who would have thought that would carry, carry the day, but you know, it really does, you know, it, it, don't suffer in silence. And if you, if, if something's not working for you, it's probably not working for a lot of other people. And so to sit there and to ruminate um, about those things, that's, you know, that's how, you know, from a personal level, that's how, you know, employer employee relationships really get, really get off kilter or even client, you know, client vendor, you know, uh, relationships get off kilters because people sit there and they're like, well, you know, I can't call this person or I can't talk to that person or I don't know this person. Like you've got to break that down. So challenge accepted. We'll see how I do on, on the world tour. So I am uh, confident you'll do great. Well, thanks. We will get together again uh, for our um, our folks in Ecuador and for your mom uh, next month um, right. and figure out a topic and have another great conversation. Thanks, Frank. Good. Thanks, everybody.